slash crime salad podcast. Wow, what's that again? Patreon.com slash crime salad podcast, right? Yes. Wow, okay. You just put that in a search engine? Yeah, you just Google or like whatever. Like the Googles? You use the Googles? The Googles. <laughs> Googal. The Googals. <laughs> yep. Thank you so much for uh, doing that and supporting our podcast. We really appreciate it. All right, so I have a small announcement for you. For you listeners. I thought it was for me. No, not for you. You already know. Um, So, guys, we just want to let you know that next week we will not be posting an episode. We're just taking the week off to celebrate the holidays with our family and our friends. I'm going to lay around like a fat dog. (laughs) He will, too. Um, And we're just going to enjoy just this week here with our families. And we hope that you guys do, too. Um, But we will definitely be back whenever it's 2022. Right. Yeah. Yeah. January. All right, guys. So let's jump into this week's episode. A third of the almost 300,000 girls and women reported missing in the U.S. in 2020 were black. That is according to the National Crime Information Center. And yet those cases often get little attention or are all but ignored by law enforcement and national news media. A few months back, we covered the mysterious death of Tamala Horsford. She was a black woman who was found dead the morning after spending the night with a group of white women. More recently, we have covered the death of Jelani Day, a black graduate student attending Illinois State University who was found dead in a river in a town he had never been to before. Well, this week, we look at the death of Talia Lowe, an 18-year-old black freshman girl at Grand Valley State University. In all of these cases, the cause of death was ruled an accident or possible suicide. But to the families of the victims and many people who have heard the story, that answer just doesn't make sense. The circumstances of Talia's death have left her family believing that there is far more to the story than the two white girls who last saw Talia alive are sharing. Was Talia's death an accident or another example of racist violence against people of color going underinvestigated and underpublicized? Born in 2003 in Evergreen Park, Illinois, Talia Lowe was a compassionate, loving girl with her whole future ahead of her. Though she was born in Illinois, her family moved northward to Michigan when she was very young. Talia grew up in South Haven, a small port city right along the eastern coast of Lake Michigan. Growing up, things weren't always easy for Talia. Sadly, before Talia had even turned two years old, she lost her mother to breast cancer. Carlita McCurdy received her diagnosis when she was pregnant with Talia. Instead of risking harm to her unborn daughter, Carlita refused the treatment that possibly could have saved her life, a testament to how much she loved her daughter, even though she had never met her. After her mother passed, Talia grew up with her grandmother, Shirley, and her sister, Brianna. Shirley made sure that Talia knew how much her mother loved her and how amazing her mom was. Talia graduated as part of the class of 2021 at South Haven High School. 
While in school, she was an active member of a club called Project Pathway. Project Pathway's mission was to connect students with business professionals who could mentor them as they joined the business community. Talia served as the marketing chair in the organization, and each year, the club sponsored a philanthropy project. During her senior year, Talia spearheaded the charge. She worked hard to raise money to create a mural featuring sculptures of 125 birds that would honor the class of 2020. Rather than looking to commemorate her own class and legacy, Talia wanted to help the class above her, a class whose senior year had been completely disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. In an abundance of caution, I am ordering the closure of all K-12... Talia shared that she knew the class of 2020 was dealt many hardships and challenges. And she wanted them to know that no matter where they go or what they do, the South Haven community will always be their roots. And the lighthouse, which was in the mural, would guide them on their journey. The mural was placed on the side of the Michigan Theater in downtown South Haven for everyone to enjoy. Talia's hard work towards putting the mural together for the class of 2020 is a perfect example of her kind heart. Talia's older sister, Brianna McCurdy, along with all of those who loved Talia, knew her as someone who never had any spite or ill will towards anybody. She was funny, smart, and loving. Although Talia had a deep love for her community in the port city, she had an unfortunate phobia for someone who lived so close to the Great Lakes. Since birth, Talia's arm had been partially paralyzed, to the point where she was unable to fully wave her arm or lift it above her head. Talia never learned to swim because of her disability, and this contributed to a fear of the water. Growing up along the coast of Lake Michigan, Talia was always extra careful whenever she'd go to the beach. She loved to play and sit in the sand, but she always kept her distance from the water. After graduating from South Haven High School, Talia enrolled at Grand Valley State University. Grand Valley, or GVSU, is a four-year public university located about 12 miles west of Grand Rapids in Allendale, Michigan. Established in 1960, about 25,000 students are enrolled at GVSU. Conveniently, the college was located only about an hour away from Talia's family in South Haven. Talia was the very first in her family to go to college. She was beyond thrilled to be attending GVSU. Even though the university was farther away from Lake Michigan than Talia had been living for most of her life, before she left for school, Talia's grandmother had warned her to stay away from Lake Michigan. Talia laughed, but she still always took her grandmother's advice seriously. Nearly 1,000 people have drowned in Lake Michigan over the last decade. And given the partial paralysis in her arm and her inability to swim, Talia knew the potential dangers of going into the lake could be much worse for her. Hi, this is Daniel LaRue the Real GM Radio Podcast. It's a Texas showdown. The postseason and Bet Online is your number one source for all your baseball wagering information, up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns, everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series and through the World Series. 
Don't forget, Bet Online is where you have the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football, plus real time updates on statistics, news, and odds, serious up betting on football. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action at Bet Online, where the game starts. The Friday of October 15th, I received a text message that my friend Talia had passed away. Talia had made some new friends uh, when she attended Grand Valley State University, who happened to be Caucasian. I thought I could be happy for Talia because she finally made some new friends, but I was wrong. Because the night of October 14th, Talia had decided to go with a group of friends to the Muskegon Pier. Talia was the only black girl and the only one who never returned home. She enrolled for the fall 2021 semester and was quick to meet people and make friends. Her new friends at school could easily see that she was an incredibly kind-hearted person, and they loved how she could make anyone laugh. Two of the girls that Talia Lowe had befriended since starting at Grand Valley were Rachel Paulson and Chloe Ward. On the night of Thursday, October 14th, 2021, Talia, Rachel, Chloe, and a few others from the school decided to go out to Lake Michigan for what they called a late-night swim. The college kids made their way to Pear Marquette Park, a beachfront located in Muskegon, Michigan. This would have been about a 45-minute drive away from campus. Because it was mid-October, the weather was already starting to get cold. By 10 p.m., it was late at night, dark outside, and chilly, with the water being equally as freezing. It was hardly a good night for a swim. At 10.48 that night, first responders received a 911 call from one of Talia's classmates at the beach. They reported that Talia had been caught up in a rip current in the water just off Pear Marquette Park Beach. The area where she was last seen had strong rip currents and was located near a 2,600-foot-long channel break wall. Rescuers from the Muskegon Fire Department were immediately dispatched. They arrived on the scene in less than 10 minutes. After they initially weren't able to find the swimmer, more dive teams and rescue crews were called in, including teams from the Muskegon Fire Department, the North Shores Fire Department, and the Muskegon County Sheriff's Department. The teams had a lot of area to search, and as minutes turned to an hour, the U.S. Coast Guard arrived to help as well. Divers, boats, and helicopters circled the area trying to find the missing swimmer. While rescuers were in the freezing cold water searching by hand in the darkness, they also had side-scan sonar technology canvassing the water. For over two long hours, the crews searched the windy waters of Lake Michigan. At 1.26 in the morning, nearly three hours after the classmate called 911, the teams finally found something. It was Talia Lowe's body. Last Friday, first responders pulled the body of an 18-year-old from Lake Michigan. Muskegon police say 18-year-old Talia Lowe drowned in Lake Michigan at Pier Marquette Beach last week. At last check, Muskegon police say no foul play is suspected. The family believes there's more to the story about what happened that night at Pier Marquette. They believe others were with her, and they've been in consistent contact with authorities. 
With Talia's body located, the rescuers and the police returned to the group of friends who had come to the beach with Talia and had made the initial 911 call. According to Rachel Paulson and Chloe Ward, two of Talia's friends, they had gone to the beach that night to cross an item off their bucket list, jumping into cold water. But once they were in, Talia had been caught in a rip current and couldn't get out. That was when 911 was called. Another source shared a slightly different story. One of Talia's friends who was there that night had jumped into the water after seeing Talia and another girl in visible distress. It looked like they had swum too far out into the lake. The friend who spotted them swam out to help, taking one of them back on shore. When she turned around, she thought Talia would have been right behind them, but she was nowhere to be seen. Despite slight discrepancies, the police took the college kids at their word. The police recorded Talia's death as an accidental drowning. As far as the police were concerned, this was a tragic but open and shut case. When Talia's family got word that their beloved daughter, sister, and friend had died while swimming in Lake Michigan, they felt like something didn't add up. Talia wasn't a good swimmer, and she had always been afraid of the water. She had never talked about wanting to go in the water, even as a bucket list item. Why would she suddenly decide that this dark, cold October night was the right time to jump in? Talia's family knew that there had to be more to this story. Less than two hours after Talia's body was found, hardly any time after the police had notified her family of their loss, Rachel and Chloe made a GoFundMe page for Talia without her family's knowledge or consent. The girls were being very, very suspicious afterwards. They had packed up her stuff not even an hour later before her body was found and the GoFundMe was already set up and her family didn't even know about it. In the following days, as news of her death spread across campus and in the community, the page collected over $5,500 in donations. According to Talia's family, though, it took weeks before they were contacted about receiving any of the donated money. The page has since been taken down and replaced by one made by a member of Talia's family. And the donations from the original page have been transferred to Talia's sister, Brianna McCurdy. And even stranger, Talia's cousin Isaiah Lane shared on his Facebook that on the evening of Talia's death, before the 911 call, Rachel and Chloe had been calling and texting Talia's sister and best friend from South Haven. They were asking for the passcode for Talia's cell phone, a cell phone that has yet to be recovered by the police. From the story of how Talia ended up in the water that night, you'd think that she was right there with Rachel and Chloe. If the girls were all together, why would they have tried to contact her family to get access to her phone? What could they have wanted from her phone anyway? And if Talia had jumped into the freezing water by her own choice, it seems unlikely that she would have brought her phone with her. So why wasn't it with her belongings? Isaiah has also claimed that the girls packed up Talia's stuff before the police even arrived. If someone in the group of friends had gone missing in the lake, 
Shouldn't they have been more concerned about her well-being and less about her bag? The odd circumstances around Talia's death have raised more questions than answers. To the people who knew her best, the most shocking and concerning questions of all is why Talia would have been in the water at all. She couldn't swim, had a known fear of water, and had spent enough time growing up near the beach to know not to go in the water at night. Talia grew up in a beach town, and she had heard warnings all her life about being safe in the water, even from her own grandmother. She knew what the kids were planning would have been very risky, not just for herself, but for the group. She wasn't the kind of person to take such unnecessary and dangerous risks. Talia's aunt, Angela Lane, told reporters that, quote, She would never go near the water. She loved the beach, but you would never see her in the water. She made it known to people that she was close to that she could not swim, end quote. This was also echoed by her sister, Brianna McCurdy, who wondered, quote, Why would my sister get into deep water? And it's a tide, and she knows she can't swim, end quote. We have to wonder as well, with her visible disability, why would her friends have encouraged her to do something so dangerous, knowing that she couldn't swim? If her friends were truly her friends, why didn't they stop her? Grand Valley State University released a statement quoting the police's stance on the matter. As far as they believe, there is nothing to indicate foul play. They also asked people to refrain from speculating as the police worked to answer Talia's family's suspicions and close the case. With inconsistencies in the behavior of the girls who were there the night that she died and their accounts directly contradicting what everyone knew about Talia's fear of water, it seems hard to believe that this was the tragic accident that the students claimed it was. The story, as it's been relayed to the police, leaves too many holes to be taken at face value. Talia's family, after seeing Rachel and Chloe's GoFundMe page, started one of their own so that they could raise money for a proper funeral, hire a private investigator, and a lawyer so that they could fight to get justice for Talia. The GoFundMe page earned over $6,000 before being closed. it's been nearly two months since her death, Talia's family still hasn't received the autopsy report on how she died. The Muskegon Police Department captain shared that investigators are held up waiting for the post-mortem results from the pathologist. The autopsy report could be a crucial piece of evidence in confirming what the police believe to be an accidental drowning or showing that there is more to Talia's death than her so-called friends are letting on. Rachel Paulson and Chloe Ward, the two girls who were with Talia the night that she died, have reported getting death threats over their possible involvement. Family members of Rachel's have taken to Facebook to fight back over claims made by Talia's family, but this only has made things worse, as their comments have sometimes been racist and disrespectful. Since her granddaughter's death, Shirley McCurdy says she's committed to staying off Facebook and other CD internet sites that seem to be capitalizing on Talia's death. Shirley has stayed in contact with the Muskegon police captain, Sean Bride, as he leads the investigation. 
While she remains skeptical that Talia went into the water of her own volition, she's trying to avoid all of the conjecture and rumors that thrive on Facebook. Shirley only wants to know the facts. She's only looking for answers to how her beautiful granddaughter, who was excited to see finally coming into her own, could have wound up dead in Lake Michigan. Talia's family and friends want answers and accountability for what happened to her that horrific night in October. What could have made Talia, a bright 18-year-old girl who had stayed away from the water her whole life, suddenly take a late-night swim in the middle of the night? Why would her so-called friends, friends who would have known about her disability and inability to swim, have let or even encouraged her to do such a thing? Why has it taken so long for an autopsy to be conducted that could help this grieving family finally get some closure and clarity? We hope that anyone listening who might have more information on what happened to Talia Lowe on the night of October 14th, please contact the Muskegon Police Department. Since this episode was recorded, there's been a huge update to this case of what police say happened to Talia Lowe that fateful night on October 15th. On December 17th, 2021, just a few days ago from when we recorded this episode, police provided the autopsy results to the public. Despite the strange circumstances that have come up during the months of investigating this case, the autopsy revealed her death occurred as a result of accidental drowning. Police noted an investigation was conducted with an autopsy, video, and picture evidence and eyewitness interviews. The Muskegon County Prosecutor's Office will not issue charges in the incident. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. Talia was always so kind, so funny, and very bubbly, and a very loyal person. And we need justice for her right now. Crime Salad is a Weird Salad production. Are you kidding me? That was perfect. Hi, this is Chris Hart, host of Plot or Chris Hart. BetOnline is your number one source for all your baseball wagering info with up-to-the-minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. BetOnline has everything you need to stay up to speed on each league championship series all the way through the World Series. And don't forget, BetOnline is where you get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals for the NFL and college football right at your fingertips. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on all the action. BetOnline, where the game starts. In the 1970s, John Todd burst onto the evangelical scene with a shocking tale. He claimed to be a former witch, involved in a then-unheard-of secret organization called the Illuminati, and urged Christians to prepare for a violent world takeover. First of all, the number one weapon in everybody's home should be a 12-gauge pump shotgun. Hear the amazing story of one of the originators of the modern-day conspiracy theory. From Magnificent Noise and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Cover Up, The Conspiracy Tapes.